Shabbat Shalom. Let me start this evening by saying again how wonderful it is to be together. I know we've been calling these virtual Shabbat services, but in truth, they are quite real. There is actually nothing virtual about them. Granted, we are not physically in the same place, but spiritually, I have rarely felt more connected to you and to my prayers and to our greater purpose in being together as a Kehilakit Shah, as a holy congregation and community. I'm hoping that the same feeling will hold true on Wednesday and Thursday night when we gather with our friends and families around our laptops and our iPads for our Passover seders. Judaism has long celebrated dichotomies. Our Torah speaks more than once about the blessing and the curse. A famous Israeli folk song sings about al hamar al hamatok, over the bitter and the sweet. Even the Hillel sandwich of the seder service serves as a, an example where we take the bitter herb and the sweet haroset and we eat them together in one bite. If 3,500 years of history have taught us anything as a people, it is that it's really all a matter of perspective. How we choose to look at our present circumstance, do we see the bagel or do we see the whole? This virus has forced us to spend more time at home, to spend more time with our family in physical space or virtual space. Is that a blessing? Or is it a curse? It depends on how you hold it. We eat every meal at home now. We cook every meal at home now. We have been baking cakes and cookies for dessert now. My waistline thinks it's a curse, but honestly, my wallet appreciates that we're not going out to eat, and the home-cooked meals, even with a few more desserts, are much healthier than what we get in restaurants. Yes, there's a lot more screen time, but Three times a week, our whole family gets on a Zoom call with grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins. That never happened before the pandemic. Our summer camp, Camp Kalsman, does a weekly Zoom gathering, and more of you attend services online than our sanctuary on a typical weekend. Not to mention, I'm wearing sweatpants right now as I lead this service. So too, the non-screen time moments around a board game, a puzzle, or in our yard, they're all very intentional. When the screens are off, we are present with each other. We read more, we walk more, we talk more, and we appreciate all of it much, much more. It's ironic that this Passover, our self-isolation and self-distancing is also our freedom. Freedom from the social burdens of family satyrs. You don't have to sit next to your politically incorrect and socially stilted uncle. And if he starts up on something during Zoom, you have a mute button. That's a blessing in the midst of the curse of this pandemic. And this year, we can also appreciate the freedom to be with those that we would normally not be able to be with because of distance or obligations through, again, the wonders of technology. There is a blessing in that. There is a blessing in what this virus, as brutal, as brutal and as dangerous as it is, has compelled us to do. Our beloved temple member and former religious school principal, Anne Andrew, reminded me of the importance of perspective in her beautiful Devar Torah in this month's Sisterhood newsletter. And if you read this sermon online after services, I'll provide a link. In her draw, she points out that the question we must focus on in moments of personal or communal crisis is, what is this for? She teaches us that in the face of a crisis, our first step is often to surrender. Anne explains, that doesn't mean that we do nothing, but it does mean that we accept things as they are. Emotional pain comes from wanting things to be other than they are, and so surrendering can ease that pain. It is mentally healthier for us to accept what is and proceed from there. 
She goes on to cite a book by Michael Singer, author of The Untethered Soul. In this book called The Surrender Experiment, and in it, he describes his life after making the decision to surrender to life's calling. He also explains how to surrender and describes it as a two-step process. First, you have to set aside personal likes and dislikes, and then you ask the question, what does this situation ask of me? And so rather than setting goals and making plans according to your own wishes and desires, you ask for guidance to figure out life's plan for you. The moment dictates the mission. His teaching reminded me of the important perspective of Holocaust survivor and psychiatrist Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, maybe the most important book I've ever read. Frankl taught, the meaning of our existence is not invented by ourselves, but rather detected. What matters, therefore, is not the meaning of life in general, but rather the specific meaning of a person's life at a given moment. To put it simply, it's how you perceive the moment, what it calls or demands of you. You don't get to choose that. You only decode it. Frankel wrote that most people in the concentration camps believed that the real opportunities in life had passed them by. But even though, in fact, they had been offered an unimaginably important opportunity and a great challenge. He wrote, one could make a victory of these experiences of being in the camps, turning life into an inner triumph, or one could ignore the challenge and simply vegetate as a majority of the prisoners did. German philosopher and writer Friedrich Nietzsche framed it this way, one must transform every it was into an I willed it thus. That is to take hold of the situation, accept one's fate and strive towards a goal worth pursuing. Not everything happens for a reason, but that there can be a meaning in everything that happens. Frankel believed that Nietzsche's dictum, he who has a why to live can bear with almost any how. He believed in that. And he writes that this could have been the guiding motto for all psychotherapeutic efforts concerning the prisoners in Auschwitz. For me, these teachings taken together, they are the lesson of this moment in history. They are the lesson in this pandemic. Its value transcends the moment. As horrible and as omnipresent and all-consuming as this pandemic is, its value transcends this moment. We are being asked to do great things great things in the face of great danger, and the moment dictates the mission. We are not in control. They call those that rose to the call to defend the world from fascism in World War II the greatest generation. And that generation did unimaginable, seemingly impossible things against incalculable odds. They answered the question, what is this moment for, with acts of bravery, of self-sacrifice, of valor, ingenuity, and camaraderie. And we are being asked the same question. I hope and pray we rise to give the same answer. Tomorrow morning in synagogue, we're going to read the Torah, and we're going to read Parshat Tzav. In it, we are reminded of the Thanksgiving sacrifices during biblical times, which brought us closer to God. It's important to note that the word korban, which is the Hebrew word for sacrifice, has at its shorish, at its three-letter root, the word karov, which means to draw near. And this is on purpose. Thanking God for our sacrifices because they bring us closer to what is holy. In the curse, there is blessing. In the giving and the giving away, we are receiving. We are gaining. 
It's all a matter of perspective. It's how you hold it, how you see it, and what you understand the moment, this moment, to be asking of each of us. So let us answer this crisis, this pandemic, these challenges, large and small, with those age-old and powerful words of Torah. Hineni, here I am. I am ready. I can do this. Because we can. Our ancestors, our ancestors faced insurmountable and unimaginable odds. And they rose up and they prevailed. And now it's our turn. Wednesday night we will, reread, we will read in our Haggadah, in every generation they rise up against us to destroy us. We are only able to read that line because we are alive as a people, to give voice to it, because in every generation the proverbial they has been defeated by the indomitable us. Kenti Heilanu, so may it be for us. Shabbat Shalom.